You're listening to Team Talk on ESPN Radio, 1017 The Team. He's Sam Hauser, Joe Neal. Top five is right around the corner. In this top five, Sam's going to tell you about a high school star uh, just completing his junior year that is getting looks from everybody. Not only looks from everybody, offers from everybody. It's in top five. Go ahead and take it away, Sam Hauser. It's time for the Hinkle Law Office's Top 5. Hinkle Law Office is representing motorcycle riders across New Mexico since 1990. Visit HinkleLawOffices.com. Take it away, Sam Hauser. There was also reason behind the rejoin music that we'll get to here in Top 5 as well. But before anything, we always start with who is in in the sports world, and quote, them offering me was a dream come true, end quote. Those are the words of La Cueva Bears linebacker Mason Posa after receiving an offer to go play for Kalen DeBoer at the University of Alabama. Mason Posa with an offer from Bama. He already got an offer a few uh, a few weeks ago from the University of Oregon. Dan Lanning uh, had a visit, but Duke is Duke and Alabama is Alabama. It sure is. And these kind of things do not come around often. So we're going to embrace the heck out of it. We, we looked up information on Posa and what a, a wrestler he is as well, Sam. Yeah, multi-time uh, state wrestling champion. And, and a different, like, he increased his weight by, like, 30 pounds each year oh, along oh, the way. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, uh, getting an offer from Alabama, again, this isn't, like, rumors that Alabama is looking at him. You know, it's it's kind of like Bella Hines, who got an offer from LSU. Right. This is real, and an offer from Alabama uh, doesn't come around very often, but it has come around before. It has so. come around, as James Yotis pointed out in his story about this in the Albuquerque Journal. Zach Gentry got an offer from Nick Saban in Alabama before he ultimately decided on Michigan. So, Add that one to the list. Texas was already on the list. You know, he's like he he buries the lead of so many times. We asked him about different recruiting trips. We had him in studio for four (laughs) hours, and this never came up. And uh, you know, and it's like he has to kind of think. Okay, I went to Oklahoma State. I oh, let me tell you about my trip to Tennessee. You know, they brought me onto the field, Neyland Neyland Stadium. Yeah. did a steak dinner for him and his dad in the locker room. So anyway, along with those, you know, and of course, Texas, where he originally committed to, uh, he was offered by Alabama. But uh, Mason Poson, uh, Mason Posa, Posa yeah. excuse me, Mason Posa, the latest to receive an offer from Alabama. Who else is from in? Alabama, what else is yeah, in? Yeah, it's such a big deal. I mean, when, when people talk about the best linebacker in the metro area, the first place that a lot of people go is Stratton Schufelt at Cleveland, and not that not not that it's really worth comparing anybody, but Cowboy fans will love this. Like when you think about, if you've never seen him play a game at La Cueva, think Marquise Bell, but actually even a little bit bigger and stronger and bulkier. So the uh, bright bright future ahead for Mason Posa wherever he ends up. 
We're going to talk more about Utah State's win over San Diego State last night when we get to the Mountain West action in number four. But in the postgame show on CBS Sports Network after the win, this was Gary Parrish had this to say about Aggies head coach Danny Sprinkle. That is an impressive victory for Utah State and for Danny Sprinkle. I know this is happening in the Mountain West and not in the Big Ten or the SEC or the Big 12, but the coaching carousel spun around last offseason and there were a lot of big names hired. Danny Sprinkle did not get a lot of attention at Utah State, but of all the guys in new places this season, nobody is doing a better job. And I'm not sitting here because people do this all the time. He should be the national coach of the year. I'm not certain of that. There's Dan Hurley, there's Matt Painter, there's Kelvin Sampson, but he should be on your list of legitimate candidates to win every coach award that exists. Utah State with that win, 22-5 and overall, 10-4 and in the Mountain West. They're back in first place, and every time Utah State is on TV... We see that graphic of one of three schools in the country with zero returning points from last year. Yeah, and I we did a double take on this. Utah State was picked to take ninth in league. That's and correct. How could you really pick them any higher than that? It wasn't like they had these the, the highest uh, prof- profile transfers in. So, yeah, uh, there there's one thing about going to Logan and coaching Utah State that like you have as an advantage as a coach is you know you're going to have uh, great crowds, great home crowds. Co- coach Richard Patino said that when he had inherited a program that was down in the dumps, you know, as well, is what brought him here is the ability to build a program and have great crowd support. Uh, it seems like there's such a long line of successful coaches out of Utah State. Go back to Stu Morrow. You got Larry Stacy, uh, Craig Smith at Utah now, and Ryan Odom from last year uh, at VCU. So Sprinkle, uh, I mean, an amazing, amazing run so far. Uh, you know, you got to consider him the odds-on favorite for Mountain West Coach of the Year. But you know, they still got four more games to play, they and do. all these uh, a lot of teams in the league still have five more. So I'm I'm letting it like play out a little bit for him to be mentioned though is is really high praise. All right, moving on with who is in. 15-year-old Charlie Woods set to take part this week in his first ever PGA Tour qualifying event. Going on in his own backyard, it starts tomorrow morning. He tees off at about 5.30 a.m. local time, about 7.30 in the morning there in South Florida. The top 25 players and ties advance to the Monday qualifier, and from there, the top four will be in the field for the Cognizant Classic in the Palm Beaches next week on the PGA Tour. So he uh, is way ahead of a schedule with this, but like the competition that he's going to face to even get to that Monday is so fierce. Uh, I mean, grown uh, adults. I, I, I wish him so well, but I will tell you this. If somehow he qualifies for this tournament, Sam, uh, I got your lunch for a week, okay? I, I, I got your lunch for a week. I pulled for I pulled for Charlie Woods, but he's playing in tournaments with other kids his age and not necessarily winning those tournaments, Sam. That just tells you how fierce the competition is, but a great story nonetheless. Yeah, he picked up a top 20 finish last fall at the NB3 Junior Nationals Nota Begay's tournament. Finished, I think, tied for for 17th. So, yeah, there were golfers his own age that were better than him, and now he's going up against grown men. But you got that last name, and you put him on a golf course with some stakes ahead. 
I'll take your bet. And, and yeah, what a, what a great experience for him. Who's out? What is out? All Sam? right, who is out? Well, played some Oasis coming in. The closest thing that the rock and roll music world has to reality television surrounds Oasis and the two brothers that were a part of that band before it broke up. Nolan, Liam Gallagher. This has been going on for about 15 years now. With the two of them, it's been litigious. They've been making public comments about each other. Mom tried to get in the middle of the two of them and tell them to play nice, but these two brothers, not a whole lot of brotherly love going on. Let's put it that way. So there's been a lot of questions coming out about whether or not we were going to get an Oasis reunion ahead of their 30th anniversary of their 1995 album, What's the Story, Morning Glory. Well... It's not looking good. For for years and years now, Noel Gallagher has said, if he wants to do something, have his people call my people, and we'll see about it. Well, Liam Gallagher's people made a call, and Noel said, nah, I'm not interested. So we're talking about a, a band that exploded in the 1990s uh, and were one of the most successful and influ- influential uh, bands at the in the world at that time. And these two brothers, they're from Manchester, England, uh, are having a hard time getting on the same page or even being able to communicate. And it's preventing this reunion that has you drooling right here on your microphone. I would love to go see it. If it, if it happens, I would want that's one that I would certainly add to the list. Of course, you know, we, we got our we got a little bit of an introduction. I mean, I'm sure I mean, pe- every, people know about Oasis, even if you don't know the band you've heard their songs before one of them in particular we got a a special introduction to about five years ago now 2019 when new mexico united went up to minnesota united for the u.s open cup quarterfinals minnesota united at that point a fairly new mls club and that's their celebration at allianz field after they win a game as they all sing wonderwall So it's a big deal. And figure it out. All right, your brothers, at the end of the day, remember you're supposed to love each other. No doubt. And if, if Mick Jagger and Keith Richards could figure it out, I mean, these Gallagher brothers could figure it out there, Sam. The, the, the legend has it that they were set to do a show in the early 2000s with Oasis, and it got canceled at the last second because one of them had laryngitis, but the other one made, of it, made an excuse saying that he was hungover. Lawsuit happens, and it just it snowballed from there with one lawsuit Man, after another. I mean, those two guys must have been tattletailing on. You know, no wonder their mother has gotten involved. I mean, she made them drop the first lawsuit, but then they picked it right back up after yeah, that. Tattletailing that the brother was too hungover when he said he had laryngitis. What is number four there, Sammy? All right, well, a lot more good, clean fun going on in Mountain West basketball starting last night. By far the most consequential game of the night, and it delivered from start to finish. Utah State holds off number 19 San Diego State by a final of 68-63 to on the home floor. And Logan, it was a one-possession game with just over two minutes to go, and something happened that you almost never see happen against San Diego State. Utah State misses a shot. Gets an offensive rebound. Putback doesn't go. They get a third opportunity. And Darius Brown made the most of it. Really, the the star of the night last night, Darius Brown, on a 
a situation where a pass gets tipped to him, and it couldn't have been more accurate if somebody went through all the motions of grabbing the ball, setting their feet, turning towards him, and passing it with two hands. Brown back to Osborne, takes it up again. Wow. Tipped out, shot clock winding down. Brown rattles home the three with the shot clock winding down. On the third chance for Utah State. Darius Brown, the star of the night last night, and really one of the hottest players in the conference over the last four games. Look at the look at Utah State's last three wins. In those three wins, he's shooting 72% from the floor, 12 of 19 from three-point range. Yeah. Six-year senior, by the way, Darius Brown, four years at CSUN. He and Great Osibor were two of the guys that followed Danny Sprinkle from Montana State. Yeah, I know. Great story. And one of these, like, under-the-radar point guards that's really coming on uh, at the end, as you pointed out, uh, the game against Colorado State was a flop for him. But it was for the whole team. It was. Good point. Yeah. Uh, but other than that, he is playing as good as any guard in the league, and I'll just say that right now. All right. Uh, what about, how did great Osabar do? Great uh, Osabar, he, he, he was well on pace for a triple-double as the second half was going along. Still finished with 17 points, 7 boards, and a Tied a career high with seven assists on the night as well. And he had a couple more chances there. Guys just couldn't reward him with some made shots. As for San Diego State, Jaden Ledee, 23 points on 8 of 13 shooting. The rest of the team, just 37% shooting on the night and 40 points. Yeah, uh, what was the, do you have the bo- the the box score? How, uh, what did, what did, San Diego State shoot from behind the three-point line. I, oh, here we go. I'm sorry, about I got it 12%. right here. Twelve percent. Yeah, they're uh, actually uh, you're uh, not a little bit better than that. Fifteen point eight percent. Yeah. So this is what's frustrating um, to San Diego State fans because these kind of games crop up every once in a while, and we've seen it crop up a bunch of times when they make the NCAA tournament. Uh, you know, you, you've got this team that is considered to be a four seed in the recent release, yet they 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 have such trouble scoring the basketball. They only put up 63 points. That's an issue, Sam. They're 2-5 and five away from San Diego in league play. Yeah, but it's not only just like the, their losses, it's like the the way they're playing oh, in yeah. their losses oh, yeah. uh, is, is hard to figure out. You, you When you're a team that went to the national championship game uh, and you're having difficulty finding people that are going to make you know perimeter shots again last night three of 19 by the way I told you you know those guys that hit some big shots against the Lobos including uh, Elijah Sanders who hit two big threes uh, you know and we wondered if that was you know bad um, you know defensive pressure on the shot contesting of the shot I, you know, he was a 32% free, the three-point shooter. He made uh, two of them against New Mexico and another one. He went on an 8-0 run. And then uh, Trammell uh, was, those two combined for one of five from behind the three-point line. And those two made some big threes against New Mexico. But the point I'm trying to say is if you're if you're an Aztec fan, like th- these, these are quite, you know, too, you see these kind of games uh, much too often. All right, what else there, Sam? All right, it was a blowout from start to finish. Boise State wins by 32 over San Jose State. Nevada running away with their game, too, an 18-point home win over Wyoming. The most stunning stat to come out of that game between Nevada and Wyoming, even with the Wolfpack winning that game, 
Not only does Wyoming lead the all-time series head-to-head with Nevada, it's 21 to 10. You you got to remember if you, if if you go back to Nevada before Muscle uh, Muscleman uh, got there, it, it was a bad program. Still. I, it was a bad program, and Wyoming had good programs uh, over the years. So no, it you know it's it, you know we Utah State ha- had good programs over the years. They just weren't in the Mountain West, so we didn't realize it. Okay. Nevada has bounced around, and until Musselman got there, that program was in the toilet, Sam. Okay, I guess. Uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'm not surprised. Now, I wouldn't have guessed to thir- or 75 percent of the win. Well, what, what is 21 it? to 10? Okay, so they've won 67 percent of the games roughly uh, over the year. So, yeah, I, I, I don't think actually I would have guessed that far from that. Uh, yeah, they, they've stunk uh, in years past. Wyoming always pretty steady, Eddie. All right, what is uh, what else is going All on? All right, looking ahead to you tonight, the Lobo women back at it after their bye week. 6.30 on the Mountain West Network, Coach Bradbury and company at Boise State. Anytime you're playing the Broncos, quite literally a tall task with Abby Muse, one of the best players in the conference. She's tied for third in the country at over three blocks a game, so the Lobos front court player is going to have their work cut out for them tonight, but... This team's not backing down from anybody. Lobo is currently the number two seed in the Mountain West, owning the tiebreaker over Wyoming until they meet again Saturday in Laramie. First things first, though, Boise State tonight. Yeah, and the thing about Boise is they're going to be ready because the Lobos scared the heck out of them here in the first game in the pit. Boise ended up winning that game, but was a scare nonetheless. So that's a 6-30. So they're they're playing at Boise tonight, and then uh, they're staying in Boise, as Coach Bradbury told us last week, and then heading to Laramie on Friday afternoon when they play a Saturday afternoon 2 o'clock game. Uh, so they're out there on the road chartering like the Lobos did the Reno San Diego State trip. So uh, that game tonight, 6.30. 6.30 on the so, Mountain West yeah, Network. Get to the, the pit plenty early like you heard Eddie Nunez talk about and check out uh, the Lobo women on the Mountain West Network. Right, Sam? Absolutely. Yeah, this is one that you're going to want to watch tonight. As for men's hoops, Lobo's taking on number 22 Colorado State, 8 o'clock CBS Sports Network at the pit. 9 o'clock on Fox Sports 1, the return game at Clune Arena. UNLV at Air Force. The Falcons one win this season. Probably one of the most inexplicable results in all of college basketball. Thank you. 90 to 58 win at the Thomas and Mack. Now they meet tonight at Air Force. Yeah, because we you printed me off the standings yesterday, and like it, it didn't print the last place team, which was Air Force. So I I was like, they had one, you know, two win. Well, you're like, no, you remember they only had one win, and it was by. 32 at UNLV. So the rematch of that game uh, tonight in Colorado Springs. UNLV only a five and a half point favorite. Yeah, yeah. I I, I wouldn't go anywhere no, near either me, no. side of that. No. I would not go anywhere near uh, on either side. And and just for the record, Lobo's now a seven and a half point favorite. Mad respect for the Lobos. Mad respect for the pit because most of these like matchups between the top level teams in the in the Mountain West when the home team is is generally favored by like anywhere from four and a half to five and a half which is what it was last night which is what it was which one was that five and a half last night the which game oh the Lobos game Lobos were five and a half point favorites when it when it opened 
Oh, yeah, okay. I see what you're saying. Yes. Well, it's jumped to seven and a half. Right. That's, yeah, I see what you're saying. Yes, yes. Uh, so normally in that area, seven and a half, a lot. I, I think Colorado State uh, was only getting five and a half when they went to San Diego State. So it shows you the reputation of this team and the pit. Mad respect, at least coming out of Vegas. All right, what's number three, Sammy? Three. three. Well, in a time when all we can do with this NFL news is speculate and wonder what's going on, Justin Fields, the quarterback for the Chicago Bears, has the NFL world buzzing because he dared to unfollow the Bears and the NFL on social media. Dun, dun, dun. Well, just like I'm sure you're tired of hearing about it already i know i certainly am imagine how justin fields feels about everybody talking about him so he went on the saint brown bros podcast these guys like each other much more than the gallagher's do <laughs> talking about justin fields teammate equinemius saint brown for the chicago bears and detroit lions wide receiver amon ross saint brown they do a pod together and they had justin fields on to try to talk about this situation. Since wait, since we're here, hold on. But I mean, what's we're not. The, comparing, no, 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 no. Since we're here, all right, come on. What's with the unfollow with the Bears? What's, what's up with that? Man, bro, I'm glad we're talking about it because people. Why do people take social media so serious? Like, <laughs> but like, why you why are you unfollowing the Bears? Like, I still mess with the Bears. It's not, I'm just trying to take a little break. I unfollow the Bears and the NFL, bro. I'm not just trying to have football on my timeline. Like, mm. I know y'all mess with a girl, EQ, especially you. Just because you don't follow the girl on IG don't mean you're not messing with her. That's true. You that's know? true. That's facts. That's facts. Oh, so you're saying you mess with the Bears more now that you don't follow them? Man, it's not even like that. Ah, okay, it's, okay. it's something that I don't want to see in my timeline. I'm about to go on vacation. I don't want to see no mm. football. And guess just, what? Just get away. Get a little away for a little bit. It's either Keith Fields. We want Fields to the draft Caleb. So it's like, bro, man, I'm tired of hearing the talk. I just wanted to be over. So, uh... It came out in the podcast that he unfollowed him. If if it hadn't come in out in the podcast, would would anybody have known Justin Fields had unfollowed the Bears in the NFL, Sam? Only internet sleuths who would take the time, who people who have the presence of mind to hmm, I wonder who Justin Fields is following and not following these days. Well, obviously and the Brown brothers found out somehow, right? Right. Uh, okay. Here's my thoughts on that, and we had it on the ESPN update. I I don't blame Justin Fields at all. I I mean. You know, why you know, subject yourself to this? Because as many people that say they want to keep it, that the Bears should keep him, there's about 10 times more people that are saying they should get rid of him because that makes it salacious and that makes a, it, you know, somebody coming hard with a take there. So not to be like involved in this constantly, I don't blame him. Your thoughts of, of, of doing that. You seem undecided. I just, I, 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 I and honestly, I, I actually love it. I love that that he's somebody who's his age, who's in his early twenties. Like, man, why do people take social media so seriously? Like, that's not that your whole generation. Based, yeah. I mean, this whole thing is built on on my generation. Plus, he and, probably and up his. until this controversy did take social media. He was probably very active and right. all this stuff. So he's like, why are they, you know, taking it so serious? Well, it's because like his name is is getting kicked around a lot and people think they should trade him and, and you know, hey, all the wh- if it's like a breakup and you don't want to see anything associated with your with your ex then yeah just move on rip the band-aid off because if you don't they're going to do it for you all right what's number two sammy two, two. Two. Number 
All right, staying in Chicago, going down to the south side of town. Quite the comment coming out from White Sox GM Chris Getz, who was promoted to that position in the middle of last season, was hired as the director of player development. Immediate success there with the White Sox farm system, promoted to assistant GM in 2021. Now he's the head GM and wasn't exactly given a warm welcome by White Sox fans as someone who was promoted from within. And his quote about that was, quote, I'm a fan of sports, and I've got sports teams I've grown up and feel strongly connected to. And if there are struggles, the last thing you want to hear is that there's going to be an internal hire. You get thrust into like you're a part of the problem. How could you possibly bring us to a position to be successful? End quote. Got it. You got to give him uh, credit for leaning into it, Sam. Oh, 100%. Because that's the first thing that, you know, fans say is like, we've stunk, and who are they getting? Somebody that was over our personnel, you know, at a different level in the organization. Like, Granted, I, I get it. You know, but like, guys that have had success in the minor league doesn't automatically like make you a candidate to be a GM of a major league team. Uh, either the White Sox really believe in them or they're trying to save a bunch of money. So. Well, all this does is, I mean, I mean, this is, this is, there, there are some times where this is the way to go in life because anything good that he does now is going to be like, hey, maybe we were wrong. And if it goes the way that fans think it will, well, you already had it in your head that it was going to go poorly anyway. Okay. Yeah, but I mean, they can't afford that. The White Sox have been just brutal uh, over the last few years. Last year, uh, they were like 24th place or the 24th worst record. In ba- best. in, that's, uh, that's for home attendance. Oh, oh, this is attendance. 24th in home attendance last year. People are not getting out to whatever the cellular. What 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 is the name of it now? So it used to be Kaminsky. You could remember that. Yeah. So th- they changed it, and uh, I don't know if they changed it again since then. I really hope they should because there's just some reading between the lines on this one. For a while, it was Guaranteed Rate Field, and it's a company whose logo is a big red arrow pointing down, like the stock market crashing, <laughs> and that was the sponsor for the White Sox. So. Again, it's all baked in. Kind of like a line graph with their wins and losses over the last 15 years. All right. Uh, What is numero uno, Sammy? All right. We're learning more details about the new 12-team college football playoff format that goes into effect this year. And as somebody who has been banging the drum for this as a proponent of the 12-team playoff, the more I read about this, the more I hate it because we're doing nothing to actually make this more competitive and open the door for more teams to get in. We already know it's going to be the 5 plus 7 model, so 5 conference champions as automatic qualifiers, 7 at-large bids. You had Washington State University President Kirk Schultz telling College Football Insider Ross Dellinger that a proposal was presented that would have allowed 4 automatic qualifiers from one conference, so really, i.e., either the SEC or the Big Ten or potentially both. You have constrictive things that actually did happen where the four highest-ranked conference champions will be seeded one through four. The fifth conference champion, which will likely be somebody... Like like in this case last year, if we just use this last college football season, the fifth conference champion probably would have been Liberty. Right. There were projections that were put out that had Liberty as the 12th and last team into the playoff. Just because you're a five seed or the fifth champion, you get in, 
but it does not guarantee where you get seated. So Liberty would have had to go on the road. They wouldn't have got first round buys. So there's that part of it. And then there's another side of this uh, for Notre Dame, who is weighing all these calculated risks of is it worth it to stay independent because we have control over our TV money? We don't have you know, we don't get to be in a conference and have the things that come with that. Well, Notre Dame part of the equation now is a hypothetical. If Notre Dame were to next season, if Notre Dame was to go 12 and 0 and end up as the number one team in the country, the best they would be would be the five seed. They're not allowed to be in the top four and, because and they're not honestly, in the conference. Yeah, that that is fair. That that is fair because they're like making this independent uh, schedule. There's no standards like these other teams have that are in a conference. So I I looked at that what that bracket would have looked like, like you said, using the teams from last year, and it's really all the usual suspects. Yeah, the only ones that are like kind of like outside the box was Ole Miss would have gotten in. Penn State would have gotten in, and Missouri would have gotten in. I didn't even know Missouri was like a top 15 team well, this Missouri year. Missouri had a great yeah, year. Yeah, I know. Eli Drinkwood's getting it done. Yeah, uh, so anyway, like, but you take those away, and you basically have the you know the the same ones that you figure, and that's your point on what it'll look like moving forward. Right, and Florida State would have got in. Well, Florida State was in there, yeah, because they were undefeated, but they were on their eighth string quarterback. All right, is that it for today's top five, Sam? All right, well, don't forget, you can always go to 1017theteam.com and find archived uh, versions of the top five, all the interviews we do, all that stuff is at 1017.com. All right, when we come back, uh, there is a new rule coming to the NFL and it's being spearheaded by one of the league's newest head coaches, We'll tell you what the rule is. We'll tell you what the coach is, who the coach is. When we come back, Sam Hauser, Joe O'Neill, Team Talk, ESPN Radio, 1017 The Team.